This is Transparency, a podcast by Gender Dysphoria Alliance, hosted by Aaron Kimberly and Aaron Terrell. Each week we'll be joined by people who have personal or professional experience with gender dysphoria and physical transition. We'll also discuss how our trans experiences relate to the concept of gender identity. Join us for a compassionate yet heterodox approach to the question of trans. A few words of introduction before we start this episode. Our guest Kaya is a recent college grad who identified as non-binary for nearly two years when she was an undergraduate. After realizing the damaging mindset of the modern queer community, she turned away from being an extreme identity politics activist. She's now on Twitter where she shares her experiences and advocates for people to step away from blind tribalism and to think freely. Her Twitter handle is Growing to Truth if you'd like to follow her there. Kaya graciously agreed to talk to us about her own experience of choosing a non-binary identity, what that meant to her at the time, and why she eventually left it behind. Here's episode 51 of Transparency with Kaya. Welcome back to Transparency. Uh, Thanks for tuning back in. We are back after a a little bit of a hiatus. Uh, We're joined, as always, uh, I'm Aaron Terrell, Aaron Kimberly with me, of course, as ever. And uh, today we are grateful to be joined by Kaya, uh, who is a, um, uh, not, I don't want to say detransition, but you were, you were, um, you're our first guest who, who identified with the non-binary uh, uh, classification. And so I just want to talk about like how you came into that understanding of yourself and like what appealed to you in that identification. And then kind of like what made you decide that it wasn't really serving the purpose that it that it had been for you um but yeah if you just want to like tell uh tell the listeners a bit about yourself and then uh let us know about that yeah um so yeah i don't call myself a detransitioner either um i sometimes i just say i'm like x non-binary or like x non-binary identified um i don't even know if the word like sister really works um right because I don't know, non-binary isn't really like trans, trans, but um, yeah. Um, so I guess I, a little bit about my story. Um, I grew up um, a tomboy, really interested in like feminist ideas. Um, I was really into the idea that like gender was a social construct that was really oppressive and we needed to tear it down. Um, I did a lot of um, like DEI training type things when I was in high school, um, just for like timeline purposes. I graduated from high school in 2017. So okay, yeah. that was around, yeah, around the time that a lot of this um, kind of the LGBT and trans stuff was becoming more um, like more in schools. Um, mm-hmm. And we had affinity groups and stuff where they were really big on like, you need to be an ally and you need to listen to people when they tell you believe in their truth and you know be tolerant and be inclusive and accept everyone and use all their pronouns. Um, and so that kind of learning about that stuff in, in high school and growing up um, with that m- mindset of like gender is a social contract, I need to tear it down. Um, when I got to college, I started college in fall of 2017, um, was kind of the first time I was really um surrounded by these um, ideas of like gender and non-binary-ness. There was a big LGBT like club uh, space, I guess, on campus where they had all of these flags of the 50 million genders. And every class that I went to, people had to introduce themselves with their pronouns. 
Um, we, like all of the forms I had to fill out had a long list of genders you had to choose from. Like they would ask for like registration purposes, like, you know, what's your name? What like class year are you? What's, and then it was like, what is your racial identity? What is your sexual orientation? With like 50 check boxes, so like gay, straight, pansexual, bisexual, asexual, demisexual, blah, 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 blah. And then the same thing with gender. It was like, well, what is your gender identity? Like cis man, cis woman, agender, bigender, trigender, transmasculine, transfeminine, gender fluid, gender queer, and had like a hundred different options as well. Um, I didn't this, this know. This was back in 2017, you say? Yeah, this is 2017. Okay. okay. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't know a ton about all of the sub like non-binary identities. I had heard kind of vaguely that like non-binary was a thing. Um, but then suddenly I was around all of these people who identified as non-binary and were using all of these different pronouns and me being the inclusive, tolerant feminist that I was wanted to learn as much about it so that I could be the best like ally that I could. And in listening to people talking about what non-binary meant to them because non-binary doesn't really have a one set definition if you ask anyone what non-binary means they'll say well it means something different to everyone who identifies with it but here's what it means to me so i talked to a lot of different people about what it meant to them to be non-binary and kind of from listening to them and believing in their truths and believing in their stories and believing who they are as a person um i kind of came to conclude well if you guys identify as non-binary because of all of these reasons, then I must also be non-binary because I'm relating to a lot of the stuff that you're saying. Um, and you guys wouldn't lie to me because, you know, I have to believe in your truths. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of how I got into that um, space. I started identifying as non-binary um, towards the end of 2017, uh, beginning of 2018. Did it feel like for you, and this is kind of what it sounds like in a lot of the cases with this, is that non-binary is basically just, it, it's a way of saying that, look like, like we were saying, it's a way of basically acknowledging that you believe in the kind of tenets of the of the, of the the faith, of of the gender, whatever, however you want to define it. But it's like, if it's very difficult to be that engrossed in those kind of beliefs and those kind of um, like cultural, like subcultures and and actually identify yourself as cis because it's like who, who would do that why would you what is that what is that saying about yourself that you're you know openly proudly or whatever cis it, it seems like the non-binary is almost necessary yeah definitely uh i'd say that there's probably like i've broken out non-binary into like two kinds of subcategories I'd say one is almost entirely political it is exactly <clears> what you just said you know i don't i it is oppressive for me to identify as cis, to identify with the binary. So I have to identify with the non-binary spectrum in order to like destroy the patriarchy. It's very political, very like philosophical. Talk to those types of people about like what non-binary is. It's very much like, well, first you must understand like what gender is in the like universal concept of your soul. And like, it's very metaphysical and like, um, Right. But then there's another group of people, which I say is probably more of the group that I fit into. I think I was a little bit of both. The second group, I would say, is people who think that they have dysphoria, but don't. Um, and it's people who um, are kind of told that dysphoria pretty much means being uncomfortable with any part of yourself. Right. Mm, um, yeah. 
And so whether that's um, being uncomfortable with maybe some parts of your body or being uncomfortable with um, certain parts social social structure type things so there definitely is some amount of like I um or yeah people saying like oh I don't like the color pink therefore I have dysphoria or I don't like being called pretty I'd rather be called handsome therefore I have dysphoria um I've met people who have who've said they have hair dysphoria they're like I don't like having long hair so therefore I have dysphoria um people who say I don't like being called a certain name or certain pronouns therefore that's dysphoria um, and so these people like really believe that, you know, because there is something that makes them uncomfortable, that is the equivalent of having like the same dysphoria that like a trans man or a trans woman would have. Um, and so it's almost less political and more of a misunderstanding of like what dysphoria even is and what qualifies you to be trans in the first place. I think there probably is a, a third category, but it's probably the smallest group. There, I do think that there are some non non-binary people who probably have legitimate gender dysphoria, but don't but you don't want don't take the road of you know the transsexual road of feeling like well that makes me the opposite sex or I want to be the opposite sex, but they don't really feel entirely at ease with their their biological sex either because of the dysphoria. And so, I think for them it's sort of this this middle category of a way of articulating their gender dysphoria without, you know, without, try, you know, taking the steps to, to want to or try to change sex. Uh, but I, th I agree with you. I think they're probably the smallest minority amongst the non-binary population. And I think that's kind of where it started to, or at least when I was kind of big in the transition communities, when I first started transitioning around 2010, 2011, and that was under what we, what we called then, which was gender queer, which is basically a, a concerted effort to be androgynous and to kind of like not be identifiably male or female and to literally be like in the middle. And I think, and that's what I think later morphed into be calling called non-binary which then later just became much more of a political identity to avoid being cis is how i kind of see that that progression yeah i think you're i think yeah i think you're right that you don't hear much about gender queer anymore that doesn't seem mm -hmm. to be terminology but that that does seem that came very much out of queer theory and it seems like non-binary has replaced gender queer mm-hmm mm -hmm. So when you were in all these groups, was this in your college or was it online or how much of it was like in your actual physical day-to-day -day life? Yeah, I did not have social media. This was all in person Wow, okay. on my campus. Yeah. Okay. Can I ask what your sexual orientation is? It is like, did you come to that community because you're lesbian or bisexual or did you come to that community more as an ally? Yeah, um, I, I guess, I guess bisexual is probably the the closest um but yeah I started kind of becoming interested in it when I realized I was attracted to to women when I was what 16 um this was also around the time that um well 2016 Trump was running for office and I think having the two combinations of me realizing that I was not straight and then Trump winning running and winning like freaked me out um and that was kind of when I started to become interested in um becoming an ally not just like learning about um like gay by or lgb i guess stuff but also like becoming an ally to every one in that kind of the community um and yeah i i started 
I think I was a junior when Trump, a junior in high school when Trump won. My junior and senior year, I was really interested in the sexual orientation side of things. And I thought that that was the biggest part of like the queerness community I don't know what to call it um was like the sexual orientation stuff like I was really big into trying to figure out like what is asexuality what is pansexuality like how do we make asexual people feel visible and stuff um I didn't think that non-binary was like a big thing I thought it was like 10 people online um who were using <laughs> this label and then I went to college and that was not the case almost no one was talking about sexual orientation but I met like 50 people who identified as non-binary and um so yeah I I started it started with um kind of interest in sexual orientation and then I realized that wasn't as big of a topic anymore as as the gender identity stuff so you gotta stay relevant yeah <laughs> <laughs> so how long did you how long did you uh, uh hold on to the the non-binary label and what um was it more like social like it felt like you had like what did it, what did it do for you or how did, I'm not sure that's a right makes sense as a question but like yeah I guess what did it do for you and then what when did you kind of be like oh this is kind of um nonsense or I don't believe the tenets that have led me to identify as such or how did that go yeah uh so I wasn't super public with it I I wasn't like one of those people who had like the pronoun pins everywhere and like was wearing the flag like running around um but came out on Facebook yeah no did not come out on Facebook or anything like that (laughs) Um, I had like a small group of friends who I was talking to about it and kind of questioning things and talk, talk to them at first. Um, the reason I wasn't super public was because I didn't know exactly what sub-label to use. I was like, I don't know, am I gender fluid or transmasculine or gender queer or gender flux or agender or bigender? Um, and I was going back and forth between all of these labels trying to figure out what they meant, what the distinction was between them. I never really got an answer. Um, so I was kind of just like going back and forth, back and forth with all these different labels, trying to see which one just felt like it spoke to my soul or something. And like, that wasn't really doing anything. Um, but my my first kind of realization that thing, something was off or something didn't really make sense was actually pretty shortly after I started identifying as non-binary, I ended up in the hospital and Um, I was there for a while and I had to have like nurses taking care of me um, 24-7. I remember my parents telling me, you know, you're here in the hospital, you're 18, um, you're the youngest person in like the adult section, you need to make sure that you always have a female nurse taking care of you. And that like sentence of like, you need a female nurse because like this is a safety thing. Trying to process that was just way too difficult because I couldn't conceptualize like what female meant because of just the things that I had believed about like sex not really being relevant and gender identity meaning everything and so I knew like I knew that I needed a female nurse like I knew that this was a safety issue because even people who are super into the gender identity like sphere they they will acknowledge that there is like issue with like male violence so that's Mm -hmm. something that I I still was aware of but I couldn't like figure out how to verbalize like I want a female nurse 
not someone who identifies as female but like presents as male but then like how do I do that without like offending someone and how do I do that with like while still being a good ally how do I do that while not becoming like transphobic and then I, I kind of came to this realization like Kaya you are putting yourself in danger in order to try to be like a good like ally but that like is it really worth like keeping all of this up if it's becoming a safety issue like these two things shouldn't conflict with each other like you should be able to you know believe what you believe and support what you support and be safe um so that was kind of the first time when I went oh biological sex does matter um I need to maybe rethink some things um but immediately after kind of leaving the hospital I ended up back in school um where I asked like a few people questions about the like conflicting the conflict between gender identity and like biological sex and those questions like immediately got shut down I had two people who I was really close with just never talk to me again kind of after bringing up my concerns with this and then I, I thought, I kept thinking through things, like once the cat was kind of out of the bag and I kind of saw the cracks, I, I couldn't unsee them, but I definitely, I went back and kind of, yeah, went back to the way that I was acting and the way that I was thinking for like a year, year and a half after that incident, um, while I was trying to figure out just how to fit all of the pieces together of the safety concern and the like gender identity stuff together. So for you, it was having to kind of grapple with the realities of what biological sex means, right? And really confront yeah. that and try to fit it into, you know, the framework that you would had learned. Um, you know, I think going back to what you were saying about, you know, once you adopted a non-binary, then that opened up all these subcategories and then you had to decide, well, which subcategory do I fit? I mean, I've seen so many young people, it can cause them a lot of distress trying to figure all of that out. You know, if they really believe it's important that they can't go through life not knowing who they are and having this identity and there's so many options and it can cause them so much distress. I mean, it's kind of like sitting there in the grocery store when you have too many options. I mean, I sometimes feel distressed trying to figure out what toothpaste I want because there's like 50 options on the shelf and and what are the differences, uh, you know, so take that to a whole, you know, whole nother level with identity and feeling like you can't go through life without an identity um, and and so many options. Do you remember yeah, that causing you like sort of stress? Like, did you feel like, okay, it's important that I figure this out and know who I am. And did that cause you at the time, any, any sense of, of unease or stress? Definitely. Yeah. I, I already, like, I struggle with anxiety, just have always um, have. And so, yeah, that feeling in the grocery store, like you said, we have so many different options. I spent so much time thinking through each one and what I felt the difference was between each one and trying to yeah differentiate between them somehow and it was so frustrating to like not be able to do it um because I felt like every anytime I would I could define one of them or anytime I could come to some conclusion about what the differences were anytime you define these words, it means you're invalidating someone else's identity. Because if I define it and then someone else disagrees with my definition, then that means that I have to include them in my definition or I'm invalidating someone. So like 
trying to yeah both make these words mean something while also making them so open-ended that anyone can identify with them was very frustrating to try to logic through because there's no logic that can lead to that conclusion it's amazing how quickly the, the ideas spread just because they're so they they can include absolutely everybody uh but then at the same time you think that should be the undoing because it's so unsustainable to think about yeah like it's it's so on one hand it's so obviously obvious how the that ideology spreads but then uh, yeah contradictorily like how how do we not all have the same conclusion that you did it's like this this doesn't make any sense what purpose is it um yeah it's pretty fascinating and then, yeah, so so you were in there about like another year and a half because that's sort of like the, just the cultural milieu you existed in. So it'd be hard to, especially with those questions you were asking, it was pretty obvious, I'd say, that if you continue to entertain those thoughts of doubt, it's kind of like, well, there goes your your social network. Um, is kind of kind of what what I was hearing. But like, so what what was it that made you go, okay, no, no, I don't need this. Um, I think there were like there were a couple other just situations where I was getting more and more frustrated with what was what I was seeing. Um, one of the big ones was um, I was training to be a teacher at the time. Um, I, yes, I would have been one of those non-binary teachers on libs of TikTok if I had continued <laughs> going down this road. Um, Dodged a bullet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I was training to be a teacher and we were doing our, during my, what, my sophomore year of college towards the end, um, I started doing my like in-person teaching where I would go in, sit in with a class and like listen to what the teacher is saying. And I remember like the first day that I went in to my middle school that I was teaching. So that's what fifth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. And I saw a, the first thing that you saw when you walked into the school was a wall of like a hundred gender flags. Um, and this was, this was in 2018. And I, because I was so frustrated with trying to figure out what all of these terms meant. And then I saw it in a school and I'm like, how are they teaching this? Like, how are they teaching kids what all of these terms mean when they don't mean anything, but they also mean everything. And like, that would be so confusing to teach a 10 year old. And I kind of, again, like I went back to my like school and back to people that I was around and I was asking them questions like, okay, they're teaching this in school. What's going on? How are they teaching it? Like none of these words really have a set definition. And people were just being really gaslighty and just saying like, they're not teaching it in schools. Like you have nothing to worry about. I'm like, I saw it with my own eyes. Like they're teaching this since it's, it's there. I'm not crazy. Am I crazy? Maybe I'm crazy. I don't think I'm crazy. Um, but it was like little things like that where I'm, I'm seeing things happening like before my eyes. Like I'm seeing what's happening with sports and with um, like, um, trans women being put in like women's sports and kind of beating everyone. And I'm like, maybe biological sex is something that we should be like talking about. And then like, I'm asking questions and people are like, that's not happening. Like trans women aren't competing in women's sports. That's crazy. You're crazy. Um, so like a little bit after that, I, I got really depressed actually during this time thinking that I was just completely nuts. Like I was hallucinating things or like making things up or was just taking things to mean something that they weren't. Um, and I got to a point when I, I ended up talking to someone, um, COVID happened, 2020, I had to go home. And when I went home, 
I uh, ended up kind of reconnecting with someone that I was close with when I was younger, um, who was the first person to be like, you know, I think that this stuff's going too far. And just that amount of like, I'm not crazy. Like somebody else who's not me, like sees this as crazy. It was enough to be like, all right, I'm done with this. Like I, I'm miserable. I'm like having to censor my own thoughts to try to be a good person. Like as long as I'm not hallucinating that these things are happening, like, okay, we're going to move on from this and like try to figure out what's actually going on. So I had an experience similar to yours not that long ago because uh, I, I was still on a, f a few forums for older trans men on social media. And um, one of them had like thousands of, of trans men over the age of 30 on it. And I thought, well, I had already clued in to a lot of this stuff at the time. And so I was, I was testing the waters a little bit and, and I knew that, especially being the older trans men, I knew that a lot of them had transitioned later in life, not as, as teenagers. And so I knew that a lot of them had probably lived at least part of their lives, lesbian identified, you know, as lesbians and, um, and feminists in some cases. And so I posed the question of, do you ever feel like your, your feminist politics are in conflict with your trans politics? And I use the example of, you know, for example, women being assaulted in female prisons um, or, you know, sexually assaulted or assaulted um, because now they're allowing trans women and in a lot of cases, self-identified trans women. They ask male prisoners when they're in, when they do intake, they ask them, are you male or female? And then depending on their answer, that's the prison they go to. So, so I didn't elaborate on all those details, but I, I just posed the question, do you ever feel like those two things, those two um, interests are in conflict? And they immediately said, that doesn't happen. Women aren't being assaulted in prisons. And yeah. so just this total denial of, of reality. And, and I think part of that, I mean, I, I was actually kind of creeped out by, by that because these, where did these ideas even come from? It's like this slow idea creep in the community where if I think if we were to ask the average LGBT person, where did these all these neo pronouns and all these identities and this concept of a gender spectrum, where did all that come from? Because people believe it to the extent that they're they're unable or at least unwilling to see reality in front of them. And they're they're holding on to these ideas so strongly. And yet I don't think most the average LGBT person can even name where those ideas came from. Yeah. It's creepy. It, it's like a form, it's like a brainwashing kind of thing that's happened. Like I knew some of those trans men on that forum from back in the day. And, and, and so I've seen this evolution of thought and it, it's just, it, it's bizarre to me how it's, how it's happened like this. Yeah, it does. It, yeah the spreading of these ideas is really scary how the denial of reality is definitely very scary and i think for me especially seeing how much it's come into academia and into schools and how they're like teaching kids to to ignore reality as like part of the curriculum almost i I'm like a, kind of afraid of like what's gonna like mm -hmm. I'm Gen Z and I'm like I'm afraid for everyone who's in like my generation and younger of just what the future is going to look like when you have so many kids who from so young are being taught like reality doesn't matter you can just ignore it if it's inconvenient like mm -hmm. that's not a healthy society that we're going to be building.
And to your point of teaching it in schools, I mean, they're teaching it as early as kindergarten, at least here in, in Canada. And I suspect it's the same in the United States that they're teaching, you know, gender spectrum and all these neo pronouns to five-year-olds. Mm-hmm. And I want, and you, so you, as a, as a young adult, you were 18, you said when you were in the hospital, making that choice, you know, to prioritize your safety in that setting. Well, a five-year-old who has learned this gender nonsense right from an early age, I wonder about them growing up to be young adults. If they were in that position, like, would they even be equipped to, to consider their safety in those situations? If, if they're so steeped in this, in this new ideology? I doubt it, especially if they're being told from that young that, you know, anyone who identifies, anyone who identifies as trans, you know, whether they are or aren't, uh, or like whether they have transitioned or haven't transitioned or passed or don't pass, anyone who says that they're non-binary or trans or anything like that, like, is perfectly safe. And mm-hmm. they are excluded mm-hmm. from like all, any and all crime statistics, because being trans means that you like, you know, can never you're do saint. anything wrong. Yeah, you're a saint. Um, like if that's what they're being taught as well, right? Then if they're unless they go through something where that's proven wrong, that's probably what they're going to believe, which is really scary that most of these kids will have to go through or might have to go through something bad to to break that instead of just being told from the time they're young that like everyone is capable of doing bad things like you know being a part of any demographic doesn't stop you from um, yeah being able to to commit crimes um but it's interesting what you said too that within that ideology that you were experiencing there was an acknowledgement of male violence i think i think you said that right that there there is an acknowledgement but they must think it's entirely socially constructed then was that your impression yeah because there, there definitely is this like you know, trans trans women can't be in male spaces because it's dangerous, right? So in that sense, there is an acknowledgement that men are more dangerous than women or else it wouldn't matter that like, you know, this whole like fighting over bathrooms and stuff like wouldn't really matter that much. Um, but it it seems like- It's always it is... framed as cis males. Yeah, right? exactly. It's if if you identify as a woman, that means that you actually are a woman. If you identify as a woman, like you just say the words "I'm a woman," then you are a woman. And if you say the words "you are a man," that means you are a man. Men are violent. Women are not. So if you say you are a woman, you therefore are a woman and are not dangerous. Um, we say you are a man, but I don't think that that I have actually never heard that with like trans men though. Like I've never heard that like trans men are just as violent as men. It's always trans women are non-violent like women um so that doesn't seem to be going both ways with that that's where they fall back on the socialization it's like we're not as violent as actual men because we were socialized female that's why is that how yeah they, how they justify it yeah. yeah but the socialization doesn't work it's not the same with trans women right it's not well they were socialized right. no, male no. it's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's a very confused message, isn't it? You know, that, that somehow yeah. this is fighting the patriarchy and male violence, but there's no biological, you know, reason for why men are more more violent. Yeah, it's just, well, they say, if you say that you're a man, then you are more violent, but not if you're a trans man. I don't know, trans men are men, but they're not as violent as men, because cis men are violent men. I guess that's what makes, that's the difference between cis and trans men. Like cis men are violent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Really sucks to be a cis man, I guess, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And why the hell not just identify out of that? No? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then all those problems are miraculously cured if you just, you know, just you just choose a different label for your identity and we solve the problem of male violence. Yeah, pretty much. Um, that was definitely <laughs> something I, I thought about, like, while I was kind of questioning things. I was like, so if everyone's identified as non-binary, did we just solve this whole problem? Right. Like, this just all go away? Um, I don't think so, but it seems like that's how this works. <laughs> but that's kind of one, one of the driving, uh, the, the spreads of it, right? Is like, people think, like, they do think that identifying as non-binary is, because, so it's, it's a belief system that the, that the gender binary is a patriarchal construct. And if you mm -hmm. believe that, the solution to that is to identify as non-binary, therefore being in opposition to the patriarchal construct of binary gender. And I think the push is that, yeah, once everybody does identify as non-binary, then yes, we have solved the patriarchal gender uh, binary. Is yeah. like, I don't think anyone really articulated it as such, but that seems to be the implicit uh, uh, concept, right? And yeah. hence why being cis is so, so toxic. Yeah, I think yeah it's and it's... Sorry, go ahead. I was like, it's also why gender-neutral parenting is such a big push, right? Like, we're going to raise all of our kids to be non-binary. Because if we don't socialize them to be male or female, then they'll then we'll just have a whole generation of non-binary people who have no socialization one way or the other. And everyone will just be a person who happens to be have a penis or a vagina. But... Um, <laughs> Um, I think it was Martine Rothblatt that wrote the book about the, you know, the separation of people based on biological sex. So, so the categories of male and female is, is the equivalent of the South Af African apartheid. That it's like this, <laughs> that it's this artificial, you know, separation of, of humanity. And ideally there should be integration societally, which is such an offensive concept. And I, I, I can only imagine how, a black South African who would feel about that, that analogy. Yeah, yeah. it, it's definitely, it, no, it's also silly, but like, sometimes it's hard to take these ideas really seriously. I, I used to really take them seriously. And now I'm like, uh, it's so cringy. Uh, <laughs> well, it's also interesting that I didn't realize that Martine Rathblatt wrote that who happens to be autogynephilic, right? So if if she were to realize her 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 um, ambition of of them being completely neutralized and blended, it's like, well, there goes all the all the enjoyment out of her life, you know. If there's no difference between men and women, what's she trying to uh, uh, occupy or achieve? But that's another another topic. Yeah, I I do think though that like. I think as far as the social um, spreading of this, I think that the, most of the countries started identifying as non-binary, like if it was over 50%, then there would be a, like a push of people like identifying as something else. Like they'll come up with something else, right? And, and you were seeing that I think a little bit with people who are identifying as like cats and like trees and like mountains and stuff where it's like, oh no, being non-binary is now like too mainstream. Like gotta gotta find something else that that can deconstruct this further. Like no, the, like now there's three genders. Oh no, we need we need even more. We need three genders. And I met someone in college who identified as the planet Jupiter. Um, <laughs> so um, I think there were too many non-binary people. So they were like, nope. Kind of planet <laughs> They weren't like trying to be ironic and 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 shed light. No, it was, it was genuine. Yeah, it's it hard to tell these days. <laughs> It was it was genuine, yeah. Um, 
I think that this person like had to this person had to change rooms I think because they're like uh roommate wasn't using the pronouns that they wanted like what, their pronouns, what, were, what like, pronouns does Jupiter have <laughs> it, it was I think it was something like <laughs> jupe and something <laughs> and that like that has happened like a like that happened a few times when I was in college where people changed like roommates or like moved dorms because their roommate wasn't using their like zimzier zer pronouns or their like jupe Tutor pronouns or they're like tree tree self I, I didn't know I didn't meet any tree people in, in college but um <laughs> I did meet the Jupiter girl um and then some people who use neo pronouns who yeah I mean I think that if, if it was like just a troll then I, I wouldn't think that you would like uproot your life and like True. move multiple times to try yeah. to like keep trolling like yeah that's a commitment <laughs> yeah you'd have to really be invested in trolling yeah <laughs> I have heard of, uh, you know, teachers say that some of their students are meowing in class because they identify as cats. Yeah, I I did not the, meet any trans They have to, they have to provide them with yeah. litter boxes in schools now, I think. I've heard. <laughs> I'm yeah. kidding. But... <laughs> I think that was a lips of TikTok thing, yeah. <laughs> Completely fabricated one. Yeah. <laughs> but then, but then, yeah, like with having to move, move roommates and whatnot, there's there's this spirit of of being um put upon and being discriminated against and being oppressed when everybody yeah. around you is failing to oblige you in your in your true identity you know it's like this yeah. this manufactured um uh i don't want to say manufactured grievance that's overused but like a genuine sense of being discriminated against that's been completely you know just just manufactured on your own end and yeah yeah not a way to live yeah yeah i I've heard of a couple people like who are using or trying to file like Title IX like cases because of it. Wow. Um in the US, I don't know if any of those have actually succeeded, but I know they're trying to say that it's on the basis of like gender discrimination. Um and okay. but yeah, it's getting wild here um yeah. with some of this stuff. Well, there's no limits on it, right? There's no yeah. natural limits. So it, it could, it'll just keep changing and it'll keep, you know, like a snowball, it'll keep, will new identities will keep being developed to no end, right? And until someone stops, sort of steps in and says, this is out of hand and ridiculous. Yeah, definitely. Like, I know that a lot of the, like, I don't know if it's like an official like LGBT site, but a lot of the ones that look fairly official um, have like updated with like like 99 genders. Like I've re I read through some of them when I was in school um, and like the it feels like every time I go back and check, the list just keeps growing and growing and growing as people keep coming up with terms and terms. And I don't know if the end is just everyone will have like an individual like term that they use just for them or something that'll just be like their personality pretty much or like how how that works when there's only so many people on the planet so I, I don't know how you can have like 10 billion genders if there's only like 7 billion people but it mm -hmm. seems like it is like endless just the list is just growing and growing and growing I have actually said to people you know there there's already a name for for you and and your identity it's it's your name right yeah. <laughs> you've got a name and and a personality and that's who you are yeah 
But I feel for you, it must be challenging as a young bisexual woman to just be a, a young bisexual woman. And and do you still, do you feel like a sense of alienation from the LGBT because you feel like, you know, this this ideology is nonsense? Um, no, not really. Honestly. No, that's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I wasn't really, I said that, like the sexual orientation stuff, I wasn't really as into um, past just learning about all of the like sub identities that were like asexual split attraction model stuff. Um, so I, yeah, I, that part of me, I never really connected to like a set community. So I, it doesn't really bother me. That's good. That much. Uh, but I feel like I also have some like good, like, in-person connections that like kind of help with that so I don't feel the need to be like a part of the greater universal like community um in that sense um, yeah I, 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 oh I was just gonna say like uh, you know as evidenced by your twitter presence you're not too concerned about about being universally adored so <laughs> <laughs> I know that yeah. <laughs> yeah and that has been like really hard to to come to kind of that place. I think that just because of the way that I was, the things I was taught with, with kind of the idea that like being a good person means that you have to be accepting of everybody else and everyone else has to accept you. Um, and yeah, like kind of deprogramming that part of me to be like, you know, if, if you don't accept, if everyone, everyone doesn't accept you, if you aren't inclusive of every single person's like thoughts and stuff I mean I'm inclusive in the sense that like I'm not going to harass anyone but like I don't have to believe in what everyone else believes I don't have to you know accept their truth as truth um yeah like coming to that conclusion of like it's okay to just be yourself and to believe in what you believe and to let other people believe in what they believe it was really hard but it's like been so worth it and it feels like so freeing and I I wish that more people are being taught that you know instead of the idea that you you have to you have to believe in what the the like priests of the community believe whatever that community is you know whether it's you know the gay community the trans community the any of the racial communities or whatever just just be an individual like you said have your name have your personality be yourself um that i feel like that used to be the message that mm -hmm. was coming out of the community mm -hmm. too was like Real be tolerance. proud yeah, tolerance, be proud of being yourself, like, be different, it's okay. And now it's, you know, if you don't fit perfectly into what's expected of you, then you're just going to be thrown into like the garbage as in like cold names and being told you're a terrible person. And that's so backwards. I... It is backwards. I mean, the, the the LGBT as a as a community and, and that word gets so overused these days, but I don't know what other other word to use. Um, but yeah. the community really, it it developed out of necessity, you know, back when gay and lesbian and bisexual people were kicked out of their families or their churches or their communities because of their sexual orientation needed to develop community and, and um, you know, new family type relationships. And so it was really out of necessity that people flocked to, especially people from like maybe more rural areas, flocking to cities, joining a community, and that trauma of the rejection and the homophobia gets embedded in that culture. Yeah. But instead of the goal being 
how about gay and lesbian and bisexual kids not be kicked out of their families and their communities and their churches so they can just exist where they are and develop a healthy identity where they are in whichever culture they're part of. That should be the goal and the ideal. And we've, but the com the community that has developed has sort of taken on its own. It's like a big black hole that keeps drawing more and more and more people into it and drawing people out of it. It's almost like considered better to leave, to just leave your family and leave your community and leave your churches and it, with, you know, to join this, community that is somehow seen as better than where you came from. And it's such a backwards draw, right? And we've completely abandoned this goal of let people stay where they are, if that's where they're comfortable and, and welcomed and, and where they're from. Yeah. I have a question for you guys. I know you guys have been asking all the questions, but um, what do you guys think of the like separate the LGB from the T whole thing that's happening? Um, cause I, I've also seen that it seems like that, those, that joining of the like four letters has kind of come out of necessity. Um, and so I'm like, I see that trending all the time, the like separating those two, but I don't know if that makes sense. Um, even with all the stuff that's happening. Personally, I'm a big supporter of, of drop the T. I think, I think at this point it's, it's a completely contradictory, um, uh, conflation of experiences. Um, obviously, a lot of, of of trans people are homosexual relative to their or bisexual relative to their uh, their actual sex, um, which obviously they're automatically included in the the LGB. Um, but then when we're talking about heterosexual people transitioning and then claiming to be gay, that's a complete. Um, it, it's a it's it's. And it's inherently oppositional to the 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 previous uh, three letters, and it seems like now that the, the proportion of of and, and again I'm talking in these in these clinical terms of sex and sexuality when really that's not even what the T represents at all anymore. It is just just an ideology about denying sex, and then which again is directly contradictory to what LGBT is about is you know your sex and the sexes that you're attracted to and if neither of those things exist then yeah it just the tea just swallows the whole thing whole and um anyway yeah i have strong feelings about about the drop of tea that's yeah, my take i i agree with you i i i support it um i think it, we can still be allies to one another right like we don't have to have this never-ending list of letters in order to support one another's rights and be allies to one another but i i do agree that um, I, I totally understand why gay and lesbian and bisexual people would want to advocate for themselves only on the basis of their sexual orientation and the T is completely irrelevant. It made more sense to me to include the T back when, um, when I, you know, when I thought that we were all of the homosexual subtype of gender dysphoria. Now I, you know, my understanding of this has expanded and I know that's not the case, but I mean, for for those of us that were that were lesbians and had a strong connection to the LGBT community already, and then transitioned because we had the homosexual subtype of gender dysphoria, it I think it made sense. We still were part of that community on the basis of our homosexual sexual orientation. But that's not. I mean, we're now. I realize that the homosexual subtype were the a tiny minority within the whole queer and and trans population. I feel perfectly comfortable still, I would still feel comfortable being in 
women's spaces. Like it, it actually wasn't my choice to leave lesbian spaces. That was something that the lesbian community said, well, no, you, you need to leave like trans men don't belong in our spaces anymore. But as far as like, where do people kind of belong and what spaces do you, do you belong in? I, I don't oppose, you know, to, to still being a part of lesbian spaces technically that is still what I am I you know I'm on testosterone and and that ha does have implications for my life but um I think that those category those categories still make sense to me and I, I have met um trans women transsexual women who have of the homosexual subtype who acknowledge this is a part of the gay male spectrum But I think as far as like something like bathrooms, I, that's complicated because so many trans men pass. I think it poses a safety to women if we were to say, okay, everyone uses the bathroom according to their biological sex. I think if trans men started using women's bathrooms, we'd probably, and there have been cases of trans men doing that, trying to respect, you know, feminist principles and end up getting beaten up because they look like men going into a woman's bathroom and if you start having passing trans men going into women's bathrooms, how are women supposed to know when it's a trans man or if it's a cis man? Or so I think it compromises women's safety for us to to use those some of those women's spaces. It's complicated. Yeah, it is complicated. What are your guys' thoughts on like? Um, this is one thing I know that like non the non-binary like people have talked about having like third spaces for non-binary people who don't want to use men's room or women's room but I've heard some people talking about and it's something I've I've thought about too but what do you think about like third a third space um, like third bathrooms that are like gender neutral do you I've I guess the the opposition to that from the non from non-binary people has been that a gender neutral bathroom for trans people would still be like a danger to trans people because it would be like singling them out to be in a third space. Um, but do you think that a, any form of a third space would be helpful for solving these problems or that it should just be, you know, two spaces and you have one for women and then one for like men, trans men who pass and, um, I do. I, I I think I think a third space is the solution. I just don't know if economically, um, you know, the the the, the public, the, you know, the companies, organizations, whatever the facility is, you know, is is going to want to put in the cost for that for, to to expand the facility like that. And then also that just the just the social implications of what that's saying about themselves by trying to do it. Um it could be like cons considered transphobic to basically say that um I don't know it's just there's so much there's so much complexity around adding the third space. But I think it's a good idea, but I just think politically and economically it's probably not all that feasible. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I think it's probably what we'll start to see more and more. That's that's my hunch is that's the solution that more and more communities will land on. But um, but yeah, I, I've, I have heard that criticism that you mentioned, Aaron, that just the feasibility, you know, to, to mandate that in every public space becomes becomes costly. Um, but I mean, people with disabilities, you know, like in wheelchairs, for example, did advocate for the creation of accessible spaces and that was successful. So 
I don't think it's it's completely unrealistic, you know, to think that more more spaces would include a third option. But it's different for me because I live in in a rural community, where, you know, where every bathroom is a single stall private bathroom with a lock on the door, right? Where you're in there alone and and safety isn't an issue. But um, some of the washrooms here, like in gas stations in the middle of nowhere, um, I have seen where they still have two bathrooms. They're single stall bathrooms and one has a women's symbol on it and one has a man and women's symbol on it. And that's the farmers and truckers solution to this problem is you know, that we have an option for just women and we have an option for kind of every, everyone else. Okay, that's interesting. I know that here it's kind of the opposite. It's there's like a men's room and then everyone. <laughs> um, that's what my school did. They turned all the women's really? restrooms into really? neutral and then had men's rooms. Do they, do they, so I've heard about this happening. I've, in my neck of the woods uh, in the States, I haven't seen this, but I'm hearing about it happening a lot elsewhere. Do, did they did your school explain the logic behind that because it seems completely counterintuitive? Uh, I don't remember them really explaining it at all. I kind of just remember going into a building and seeing like men's and other and I was like, oh <laughs> um, and especially I I went to like a technical school um, so it was mostly men. So that was really interesting when like the men's room is full, the men just go into the other restroom and then there's two men's rooms and then it's like, well, <laughs> where do we go? Um, but that's that's actually fascinating sorry what you just said you go you went to a technical school so it wasn't like you were at a liberal arts humanities college and oh, no. exposed to all this all this gender stuff you were at a technical school that's oh, it's, that's incredible yeah okay oh it's awful in the technical schools like that's the okay. reason why you know social media and google and all of those places lean the way that they do the technical schools uh, are the worst when it comes to this stuff and uh, okay uh, i see what you yeah. mean okay um, okay. Yeah. I just when I, when I heard technical, I was thinking like trade, like specific. Oh no, no, no. But you're thinking trade. like IT, like uh, information. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. No, then that does make sense. All right. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I went to like a STEM focused like school. Okay. My okay. my major was in uh, data science. So, um, yeah, those schools are. I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't want to say they're worse than the liberal arts schools because liberal arts schools have all of those like women's and gender studies majors but mm -hmm. the the like stem focused schools are are just as bad i would say interesting uh, okay hmm. yeah i went to a liberal uh a liberal arts university and i recently went back a few months ago for some event that was being hosted there in the in the men's room uh that i, I went to use the bathroom and there was a, a tampax machine mounted on the wall of the men's room and that was mm -hmm. that was interesting that wasn't there when i went there i graduated in 2015 end of 2015 early 16 something like that um, but yeah, yeah, it wasn't there then, but it was definitely, um, in the, going in that direction. Certainly. I remember I was, uh, I was, a as I saw it, you know, a stealth man, uh, when I was there, I still, I believe the stuff, but I was what, what we would call now trans medicalist. I thought that we were all that way, but, um, anyway, I was very much, I had this very specific medical condition and I definitely don't, nobody needs to know this about me. And then, um, toward the end of 
near when, nearing when I was graduating, there was an art installation that was going into the to the local at the university's gallery, and it was all about trans bodies. And there was like a poster on this wall of a of a of a trans man with the you know the chest scars, and I was mortified. I was like, no, <laughs> oh, don't no. draw attention to this. Um, but that, that was like kind of the direction it was going. I think around 2015 when it becomes very much like trans visibility, and I, I was glad I slid out just around that time. Yeah. So. I've got one final question for you before we have to wrap up. But, um, you know, when you eventually sort of realized that all of those neo pronouns and stuff wasn't something you wanted to build your identity on, what things do you build your identity on these days? Like what what things give you a sense of self and and that purpose and identity? That's a good question. Um, I guess, well, I'm a data scientist. That's what I went to school for. Um, I just try to be logical I, I don't know if that's really identity but like I I try not to worry too much about the boxes and about the labels which is probably why like being bi isn't something that's like super a big part of my life as far as like trying to be a part of a community um, but I I just kind of focus on trying to figure out like what's real what's not real what's scientific what's not you know believe in stuff that's true don't believe in stuff that's not I, like <laughs> that's that's kind of where my identity is right now is just I, I yeah I, I being a data scientist is probably the most important label that I have have on myself right now um, that's great well you're a very very intelligent and articulate young woman give me a, a, some hope for your generation that that will find our way out of this mess thank you thank you I try. <laughs> you succeed. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this was um, a lot of fun. And I, yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to like post more stuff from um, Gender Dysphoria Alliance. I think you guys have so much good information to, to share about dysphoria that I said, I think a lot of people need to, on both sides, need to understand more about like what actually is dysphoria and stuff. So... Thank you. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Transparency Podcast. If you enjoy our content, please help out our algorithm by hitting like or subscribe. If you'd like to make a donation, follow the link to our PayPal account. On behalf of the Gender Dysphoria Alliance, thanks for your support. <laughs>